Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24:14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Hey there, Resiliency listeners. Today is a little bit of a different episode. About 17 years ago, during a sabbatical year from our time in Kathmandu, Nepal, a man named Pastor Steve Peterson came into our lives. He was a pastoral counselor at the church that we attended, and he invested heavily in our lives at a very critical time. He and his wife, Mindy, started a ministry called Fresh Start, which focuses on relational and heart wholeness. At the center of Fresh Start is a process of forgiving and grieving hurts, wounds, and losses in order to have a healthy heart for whatever relationships and ministry and calling that we have in our lives. It was always my hope to get Pastor Steve on the podcast to talk about this process called Processing the Issues of Your Heart, but sadly, he passed away late last year. So instead of an interview, I edited a recording of Pastor Steve and Mindy leading a small group in his family room through the six steps of processing the issues of your heart. I will include a link to a PDF version of this resource uh, from the Fresh Start website in the show notes. This is a little bit of a longer episode than we usually like to do, but the value of this forgiveness process for resiliency in our lives, relationships, and ministry is hard to emphasize enough. So it's my privilege to introduce you all to someone who has impacted me so much. Well, I just want to thank everybody for coming. Um, We've really missed you guys. And um, we just thought we could maybe have a little get-together and um, catch up on all of you. Yes, I I couldn't agree more, honey. I'm excited. We love you guys. It's great to get together, get caught up, find out what's going on, get some heart updates. So maybe we can start with David. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, things are going well, and looking forward to hearing from everybody. How you doing, Bob? You know, I'm doing okay. You know, things are going pretty well, but I'm looking for a job right now, so if anybody knows of a job that's out there, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, so keep me in mind. I want to be able to say that everything's going well with me, but this week has been a struggle for me. Um, it's been a hard week. I have a close friend, and... She said some things to me that really, really hurt my feelings. It was really, really hard to hear. And I'm just really struggling in that relationship. I don't I don't know what to do. Um, I keep replaying the thoughts in my mind, and it's just been a hard week. You know, I can really identify with that, Diane, and I'm so sorry because I know how that hurts. You're, you're a precious uh, sister and friend, and uh, just so glad you feel free to be known, share your heart. In fact, I think there is something that we could uh, share with you all that I think would be of help to you and to all of us. Because life's all about relationship, and our hearts get affected. And if we aren't careful, they can become infected. So, honey, do we have any of those booklets? We do. So what is this book that you're, that you're referring to? Well, we call it Processing the Issues of Your Heart. Process, because life is a process. Heart, because I I believe we live in a spiritual war zone, and the war 
is for the heart. Hearts are affected all the time. When you think about it, who hasn't been hurt or offended or suffered a loss? Uh, we care about what you're talking about, and yet I'm sure we can all identify. So maybe we can just take a look at this book a little bit. I think it'll be of help to you, Diane, and help to all of us as we move forward. Notice in the beginning it says offense, hurt, and loss. Who or what has offended you or hurt you? Or what have you lost or who have you lost? And you've made reference to that already. Uh, I really believe there's a biblical basis for this. Psalm 26.2 says, test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. So it's an invitation. Lord, you make the issues. I'm not trying to make the issues. I'm not trying to find somebody to blame. I'm not looking for a problem. Whatever is true, Lord, whatever I need to see, whatever I need to do, bring it to light. I also like to think in terms of the big ideas with each part of this process. The first big idea is who or what is in your gap. Think of it this way. What's the Lord like? Loving, kind, forgiving. That's what our Heavenly Father's like. What's that other person like? Well, at a given point in time, they may not be loving, kind, and forgiving. The difference between the two is the gap. Now, from relationship to relationship, the gap may vary. You know, uh, sometimes that other person is very kind and caring and forgiving. Most of the time, the gap's pretty small. But in some relationships, it's huge. There's the gap. Plus, he's got a design for that relationship. He would want that relationship to always include kindness and courtesy, no matter what the relationship. And, of course, a deeper relationship would include more. More intimacy, more servant uh, heartedness, uh, more disclosure of heart, more sharing of heart, all of that according to his design. Well, he has his design. We have our experience. Is there a gap? Well, Pastor Steve, what do you mean by an unmet expectation? Uh, an unmet expectation could be something I desire that's not being met. <laughs> Simply that. So, a desire for that other person to uh, take an interest, to be kind, to be courteous, to be loyal, to be faithful, and when they're not, an unmet expectation. I was wondering, like, do I even need to process someone that's no longer a part of my life? For the sake of your heart, yes. Because it's so important to keep in mind that people, places, and things have the potential of affecting our hearts. And if we don't take care of our hearts, which this booklet is all about processing the issues of your heart and taking care of your heart, so that it doesn't become infected. It's been affected, but we don't want it to become infected. So whether that person is around, whether they're alive, whether they live in another state, whether we never see them again, has our heart been affected? That's the starting point. That's the key perspective. It is about our heart. I love what it says in Proverbs 4.23. Above all, above all else, that gets my attention. Above all else. Guard, not build a fortress, build a wall, keep people out. No, guard as in take care of. Take care of your heart. This booklet, Processing the Issues of Your Heart, is a tool to take care of your heart. I understand how this book helps you um, process a hurt or an offense, but what if it's a loss and I really don't even have anyone to forgive? 
Oh, that's a great, that is a great question. This, again, is a process that starts with the heart. It doesn't start with, well, just forgive them, get over it. No, it starts with the heart. How has your heart been affected? When it comes to processing a loss, it's the same process as if we're going to forgive someone. We start with the first part, who or what has hurt you or offended you, what have you lost? And we go on to the second part, which we'll get to in a moment, and the third part, and then finally we'll come to the point of release, which doesn't necessarily mean you will forgive, but there will be a release. So as you look through the booklet, you'll see some engaging questions. This booklet is full of questions to prompt you. Uh, different relationship scenarios like marriage and family and work-related and other things like that. And the second part of the first process talks about loss. Maybe it was the loss of a job, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe the loss of a dream. So these questions in part one are intended to prompt us, seed our thinking, so to speak, and then what applies to us. Diane, I'm so glad you brought up your situation, your recent situation with that friend. You can see what kind of uh, discussion and questions have been generated. I mean, this is real life stuff, and this will help us take care of our hearts. So just to conclude this first part of the process, I think it's so important that we are detailed, that we're specific. If it helps us to write down our answers to the questions, that can be helpful. We might need some extra paper the booklet probably doesn't have enough room for some of us at, in certain situations. But I like to think of it in, in terms of just taking a, a total inventory of anybody and everybody that comes to mind that's ever hurt you or offended you or any loss and just write it down and then choose one that you're going to process next. And if there's more, there's more. But I have found, we have found that with some relationships and with some issues of the heart related to losses, as you process them, it's like some of the things that bothered us before, some of the situations that mattered to us before, don't matter anymore. So it's not like if we come up with a list of 100, well, man, we've got to go through this 100 times. But there'll be the power of each time, the power that we will experience. It's amazing. A transformed heart. That's what God's desiring. I think that'll help us get the most out of our discussion today, our interaction, our sharing, our questions, if we just think of one and then apply that all the way through. Well, let's talk about part two of the process. It's entitled Effect. It has to do with how was your heart affected? What have your thoughts been since then? And you've referred to that a little bit. What have your thoughts been toward this person in particular? And what have your feelings been? And there's a, a list of words here, not as a limitation, but words of potential identification. So maybe just for starters, not to make, I know you don't want to be the center of attention here because this is really all for, this is for all of us. But if you had to choose one of those words, you don't have, you're not limited to one from this list, mm -hmm. what, what, which ones would you choose and that would 
best describe how your heart's been affected by the situation that you referred to? Um, I would say probably rejected and sad and probably worthless. Mm -hmm. So this was a significant situation, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Psalm 139.23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The Lord cares about how you feel. The Lord cares about how each of us feel. Bob is looking for a job right now. The Lord cares about how that's affecting his heart. And different ones around the room here with family, friends, all kinds of situations. Because life's all about relationships. Our hearts get affected. So any questions as we go along? Steve, as I look at this um, list of feelings and think about the situation that I'm processing, I honestly have a really hard time applying any of those feelings to my situation. And I feel like maybe um, I'm just numb to the situation, so I'm having a really hard time actually feeling any of these things. Yes. I, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Tasha. Do you have any thoughts, or would the same apply to thoughts? I would say the same would apply to thoughts. Okay. Well, this is where the gap perspective helps us. Because it's not uncommon for uh, various ones of us and others, as they go through life, they have been affected by others, by circumstances or relationships, things that have been done or said, uh, omissions, things that haven't been done that affect our hearts. And you know, our hearts can get disappointed. You know, maybe we're in touch with that at first, but then as time goes on, you know, we just kind of become numb. So like you're saying, I don't feel anything. So a, a person could take that reality, I don't feel anything, I feel numb, and they go, well, there's nothing to process. I guess this doesn't apply to me. I guess I can't go on to step three. But this is where the gap comes in. Remember, what is our Heavenly Father like? So right now, think about the person, the persons in your life that haven't been like him at a particular point in time. Even if you had wonderful parents, for example, I'm sure there were times that they weren't perfectly like him. I don't think any of us have had people in our lives from the time we were born and up until now that we've had people that have related to us that have always been like Jesus all the time. No exceptions. There's always a gap. So think about what applies there. So you don't have to answer this question, but have you had people in your life that at different points in time haven't been loving and caring? As you think about that, you can say, yeah, I can remember some. You might have a lot. And then you, but then if I were to ask you, how do you feel? You, you may still say the same. I don't feel anything. But here's where the gap helps us. What is God like, loving and caring? What were they like? You know what they were like. There's a difference, right? That's what we would process. Whether we have feelings or not, we would agree with God and say, God, at those points, they weren't like you. Along the lines of what you're sharing and what you've been sharing, Diane, you know, you're talking about something that happened a week ago, and, and I'm asking myself, like, you're encouraging us to try to think of something to, to process. I'm thinking of something. It was, a, it was a really long time ago. 
it wasn't a week ago, it's like years ago. I don't know if I'm just remembering it because it was offensive or just because uh, it's the only thing that's coming to mind or if I was really affected and if I really need to process it, how do I know? Well, I think in the context of our discussion right now, I know you all, I know you all want God to have his way with your hearts. So you've all, you all have an attitude, I know, of, Lord, make the issues. Whatever issues are your issues. Whatever is important to you, bring it to mine. So I just go with that. I'm not, I'm not saying that has to be the silver bullet. That has to be the needle in the haystack. And if you process that issue, you're going to have freedom like you never dreamed. I'm not trying to make it that. But let's just make it, hey, life happens. Hearts get bumped. This happened a long time ago. Doesn't necessarily bother me today, but there's still opportunity to agree with God today and go back to the gap. Based on what happened, how did that person's behavior at that point and that time compare with what he's like? And you may not feel anything right now. You may think, I'm not mad, I'm not sad, I'm not anything. Doesn't have to take, doesn't have to be anything more than, Lord, that, I'm going to agree with you. That wasn't what you are like. That wasn't your character. That wasn't your design. I'm not going to judge their motives. I don't know what their motives were, but I'm just going to agree with you. They're in a gap there. There's a gap. See, when I look at this, the thoughts toward the person, you know, the person that, that I can think of that's offended me, well, they didn't mean to. That's the way they were brought up. So they didn't mean to hurt me. So I really can't be upset with them. Ah. Uh, well, it just reminds me that... Um, this is a process that's between the Lord and us because our hearts have been affected. So it's not about their motives. It's not about their abilities. It's about my heart was affected. Maybe it was because the gap was, uh, it was a gap of them being quite different than what the Lord is like at that point <laughs> in character and attribute. He's loving, he's kind, he's forgiving. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. They were the opposite. That was the gap. Maybe it was the gap of unmet expectations. From God's point of view, he was totally pleased with them and how they related to us. But we, it still wasn't enough. It was not enough for us. So we had an unmet expectation. I've also found that we have a tendency to minimize and be overprotective and be afraid of dishonoring, which is good. We shouldn't dishonor our parents or anybody. Uh, it's not about finding somebody to blame, but it's about the gap. It's about God's character and God's design for that relationship and God's will for us and our experience and their behavior. And if there's a gap, that's the issue. Because if you get involved in their motives or their abilities or their upbringing, you could think about that. You say, well, you know, that's the home they came out of. I mean, they're better off than the home they came out of. So, or I don't think they meant any harm. So what have I got to talk about? That's all understandable. That's very benevolent of us, very kind of us, but it misses the point of the process. Because this process is about our hearts and how our hearts have been affected. And if we're going to compare, compare up. 
don't compare across because you know what you can get into comparisons you can say you know my parents didn't beat me until blood down ran down the back of my legs they just you know they just didn't pay a lot of attention to me once in a while i mean a good provider a lot of positives you know never came to my games never came to my recitals never asked me how i was doing never took an interest in my life but they didn't beat me they didn't abuse me and i know people that have been so i got nothing to talk about that's horizontal comparing if we're going to compare compare up what's he like what were they like what's his design for that relationship what's our experience that is the issue and that becomes the basis a process in the issues of our hearts. So as we continue on with this process and as we conclude part two, keep in mind right now, if this part of the process is not about forgiving yet, we'll come to that. It's about our hearts, how our hearts have been affected. And you have chosen a loss or you've a cho I hope you have <laughs> a chosen a loss or chosen a person that you're processing just for purposes of our time together today. It might feel random to you. It may not feel very close to your heart, but don't let that, don't let that bother you. Any, anyone will do, any, any situation will do, because as you go through the process, it's gonna benefit you and it will help you face and address and process other issues as you go along. So, so as we conclude part two, just keep your heart open. Bring to mind what's important to you, Lord. Thoughts and feelings. It's about my heart. You care about my heart. Well, let's go on to the third part of the process. <clears throat> it's entitled, The Response. How have you responded to the person that's hurt you or offended you? Or how have you responded to the loss? Um, this step was especially dear to my heart because it was a step that really set me free. And what it was is that um, the person that offended me, it seemed so big that my response of, well, anybody would be upset about this and it was wrong and all this, I didn't really look at my response. I was thinking that mine was nothing compared to what they had done. And when the Lord put his finger on my response, he showed me um, that I was trying to protect my reputation. I was not taking responsibility for my own response. And uh, the bottom line was it was pride. And it was very, um, it was very devastating to have that be faced with that. But yet it was very liberating because I saw my part and it really, no matter what anybody had done to me, I had a responsibility to obey the Lord. And so when I repented of that pride, something broke in, in me in this whole process. And it really lubricated in a, in a Holy Spirit way the rest of the process. Psalm 139.24, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now think of this part as having to do with your response. What have you said about the other person maybe? What have you done? If you've done anything, what have you decided? If you decided, I'm done with them, they've hurt me, I'll never have anything to do with them again. In fact, I'll never let anybody get close to me again. I'll never get hurt again. Maybe that's been our response. Or maybe our response has been, you know, when they said what they did the other day, when they did what they did the other day, I reacted, 
I was so rude. I was so wrong. I need to humble myself and ask the Lord's forgiveness and ask their forgiveness. So responses <clears throat> may vary. But what we decide is the big idea connected with this part of the process. Because what you decide has great power. Like I just mentioned, if you decide, I'll never get hurt again. I'll never let anybody get close to me again. I'll never open my heart to anybody again. That's big stuff. And that's one sure way to shut down your heart. One perspective that's been so helpful to me when it comes to confusion is in your process of thoughts and feelings, allow more than one thing to be true at the same time. You know, so often we're geared to, well, it's all this or it's all that. So if it's this, it can't be that. So how can it be this and how can it be that? Allow it to be more than one thing. What do I do if I've decided that I no longer want that person in my life? Uh, what if I don't trust them anymore? Great question. It's so important to see as we go through this process that will lead to forgiving in the fourth part of the process, or the fifth part of the process, excuse me. But forgiving is one thing. Trusting that person is a separate issue altogether. Uh, the truth of it is, in reality, that person that you're thinking of, or maybe not thinking of anybody in particular, but just conceptually speaking, that person may never be trustworthy. If they're not trustworthy, they're not trustworthy. I mean, it would be unwise to trust someone who's not trustworthy. So forgiving them is one thing. Trusting them is a separate thing. That the big idea, as I mentioned, what you've decided, if we decide, if we decide that we're never going to have anything to do with them again, in other words, we're totally unwilling to ever even consider any reconciliation, any contact. I mean, the truth of the matter is it might be wise that we don't have any contact with them for now, but when we make a decision, I'll never, who's in control? And we need to give up control. But the problem comes in is if we take control and we're, in effect, putting ourselves in the place of God, I'll never. As opposed to, Lord, really hard. Oh, man, I can't. It's, it's, it was so traumatic. It was so devastating. I, I can't imagine ever talking to that person again. I, can, I can't imagine ever being around them again. But for the sake of my heart and for the sake of my relationship with you, because I don't want anything in between us, I'm just going to keep my heart open. I know you'll show me, Lord. I know you wouldn't ask me to do anything that would put me at risk because you're a, a protective God. And if you do put me at risk or allow me to be put, put at risk, you're going to protect me. So I'm confident in your protection of me. What have you decided? If you continue on in the process, this is the opportunity. If you've decided to take control, make a promise to yourself of the type I just mentioned, my encouragement is give that up. Let God be in control. And don't decide what you're going to do or not do. I mean, you can have a plan. You can make decisions, obviously. But 
repent of, turn from, give up, change your heart attitude toward this idea of I'll never, as opposed to, Lord, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to say the next time I see that person. I'm not even sure I will say them, see them. And if I do see them, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to decide now. I'm just going to keep my heart open to you. I don't have to open it to them. It may not be wise to open it to them. I need wisdom how much to disclose. So as we ponder that, as we conclude this part of the process, think about if you made any promises to yourself. That'll be key to give those up to him before we go on. Part four, pour out your heart is the first part of part four. Actually, part four is a two-part section. I like to refer to it with the big idea in mind. And here's the big idea. The big idea is go vertical. Go vertical. And as a part of going vertical, it starts with pour out your heart. And then it continues on with giving thanks. But let's talk first of all about pour out your heart. Notice the scriptures, pour out your heart to the Lord. It says in Psalm 62, 8, trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your hearts to him. Now, sometimes people that I've talked to have had a question, uh, you know, the question about this and the concern about this, and they say, you know, this sounds like I'm complaining to God and, you know, you know, what if I really am upset with him? I don't want anything to do with him. You're asking me to pour my heart out to God? I'm mad at him. And I say to them, I share with them, I'm so glad you're being honest. I'm so glad you're sharing how you feel. That matters. That matters to him. So maybe that's going to be what you're going to be pouring out to him. And at that point, they may say, okay, I'll tell him. I'm mad at you, God. Why are you letting this happen? It's been 10 years now. This marriage is not even a marriage. It's painful. Is this my life sentence? Or a rebellious child or a health issue? Why, Lord? I thought you loved me. I believe his attitude is, tell me more. Reminds me of what it says in Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. King David, so many times in the Psalms, he was pouring out distress. <laughs> but he always landed in a good place, didn't he? He always settled. His heart always settled going vertical. Steve, can I, can I interrupt you there? <clears throat> I... Um... Maybe I'm misunderstanding what you said or even the, these verses, but I feel like the Lord should know my heart. I just, I just don't know why I need to take the time to write it down. Is that really that important? I'm so glad you brought that up. He does know because he's God. He knows everything. So this part of the process is not for him. <laughs> it's for us. 
I can't tell you the number of times over the years where I've had the opportunity of helping people with their hearts. And they've come up to this part of the process and they have begun to pour their heart out to the Lord. And they've said the same thing. He already knows. Why do I need to tell him? And by the way, I'm mad at him. He let it happen. So why? Doesn't he love me? Let's tell him about it. He already knows. Let's tell him about it. And they start telling him about it. And the dam breaks. <laughs> and all of the pain and bitterness and brokenness breaks forth and the healing begins not a temper tantrum because you know there are people that are probably experiencing some relief today going out in the woods and yelling and screaming they feel good to get it off their chest but then what there are people that are in drinking establishments today sports bars or other bars or whatever and they're they're up to the bar they're having a drink and they're telling the bartender all about their problems and confession is good for the soul yes but then they leave it doesn't last so exhaling is a good thing but left to itself if that's the end of the story it's incomplete telling somebody about it could help if they care, especially. Sometimes we don't care if they even care. We just want to talk. We feel better. But it's still incomplete. That's why this process has a direction. It's not exhaling for the sake of exhaling. It's not pouring out for the sake of pouring out. It's going somewhere. And, and as we continue on, you'll see how important it is to start this process of pouring your heart out. As we continue to go vertical, remember the second part of this process is giving thanks. Honey, I know you've got strong thoughts about this, so I'm going to ask you to share what this part of the process is about. Giving thanks. Well, I, I like this part of the process, and yet a lot of times people struggle with this part of the process because giving thanks isn't the same thing as being grateful or finding the silver lining in your situation. Uh, giving thanks is the other side of the coin where it's sacrificial and um, it's not a suggestion it's a command of the Lord uh, in 1st Thessalonians 518 it says give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus it's for those that are in Christ Jesus and in Ephesians 520 it says always giving thanks to God the Father for everything and then again, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to read one more um, of the scriptures. It says uh, in Psalm 50, verse 14, 15, and 23, it says, Offer to God a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's not like, I'm so grateful that it didn't snow today, or the sun's shining, or that I can go swimming, whatever. It's No, this is a sacrifice. The same kind of sacrifice as when Abraham put Isaac on the altar and pay your vows to the most high and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honor me he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me and to him who orders his way aright I shall show the salvation of God that I can give him thanks because he's the good one and he's in charge of my life and he will, as it says in Romans 8, 28 and 8, 29, he will make all things work together for my good 
even though it doesn't feel good. It's not about how I feel. It's about what his word asks me to do. And as I do that, as I give thanks, it opens up the door to grace in my life, peace, and the power of God in my circumstances. It's like he's He's opening the door of salvation right there of just what I need to either forgive or to uh, manage the loss that I have um, with his grace and peace. You know, Stephen, many, it seems kind of hypocritical to give thanks in this type of situation. You know, I'm not very happy about the situation or things that have happened to me. So how do I give thanks for that? Well, I agree. I agree with what you're saying, Bob. It feels hypocritical because you're not happy about it. But it's what we, our mindset of what giving thanks is. Our mindset is that we're happy. But what we're doing is we are giving that sacrificial thank offering. It's, it's an act of worship and warfare in the spirit of God. And as we do that, he releases in you and in the situation what you need to go through that situation. So, um, the scripture says uh, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Those that don't know God, it's foolishness. But to those that are being saved, it's the power of God. And giving thanks seems foolish. But it releases the power of God to those who are saved. And that if they obey his word, he wants to do something in the midst of it. It's not our thoughts. They're his thoughts. It's not our ways. They're his ways. As we conclude this part of the process, this part four, going vertical, the big idea. Pour out your heart, give thanks. Give God permission to use it for good. In other words, it's going to matter as you move forward with this relationship with the person you mentioned, Diane. It's going to matter what you say, what you do, how you feel, what you think. That's all going to matter. But to position yourself to receive what God wants to give you, make the priority, Lord, use this for my good. Uh, Pastor Steve, as we uh, move on here to part five, I've been considering what you've been sharing. Um, what I'm hearing you say so far is that this process, processing the issues of your heart, is a means by which to forgive in a way that is complete so that we can make sure that we forgive fully. And uh, we fully participate in what God wants to accomplish in that. Yes. Not forgiving for the sake of forgiving. Uh, I've been reading part five here, the scripture referenced, and my question is, what does it mean, even as I read this scripture, and it, it refers at the end to forgiving from the heart, what does it really look like? What does that really mean other than just that I understand that academically? Uh, that's information. What does it look like to really fully forgive from my heart? Yes. Great question. Let me just refer to the scripture that you just mentioned in a paraphrase um, fashion. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And in that story, we have a servant who owed his master a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, it was millions. And interestingly enough, he didn't beg mercy on the basis of, this is impossible. My only, hope is this, my only hope is that you forgive this. He didn't do that. He didn't say that. 
he asked for more time. I think that's very significant because there's a spiritual parallel to our lives when we compare it to this story. In this story, we're talking about in financial terms, physical financial terms, this servant owed millions. He asked for more time. Consider us in spiritual terms, we have the debt of sin. Apart from Jesus, we could never be good enough. We don't need more time <laughs> to improve. Apart from him, we are hopeless and would be eternally separated from God because of our sin, because of our me-first life. So the spiritual parallel would be we need forgiveness for this me-first life. When I realize I need forgiveness, as opposed to more time, when the debt is canceled, it changes everything in terms of my response. Notice his response in this story. I can only imagine, though it's a parable and not a real life, but it's a representative parable to teach us, I can only imagine, though, that even in the context of this parable, the servant, when he was forgiven, when the debt was canceled, though he didn't ask that it would be, he just asked for more time. I can imagine him going something like this. Whew, that's a relief. That was sure nice of that master. He forgave that big debt. I would have paid it. I just needed more time. And there's my fellow servant who owes me $20. Pay me what you owe me. How can we understand what it means to forgive unless we understand our need to be forgiven? Once we understand our need to be forgiven of our me first life, and then we are because we give up control resign from playing God of our lives, <laughs> give him his rightful place, receive his forgiveness. It's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then and only then do we begin to understand what it means to forgive because we can't give what we haven't received. We've received from him when we give up control of our life put him number one and now it doesn't make it easy though we still get offended but at least we have a beginning understanding of what it means to forgive from the heart so we go on with this story and we see the consequences of one who didn't forgive from the heart but we see what real forgiveness looks like as illustrated by the servant canceling the debt so we can apply that instead of an attitude toward our fellow servant or our fellow brother, sister, or person that we're in relationship with, husband, wife, whomever, instead of having an attitude, pay me what you owe me, our attitude is, for my sake, for my satisfaction, so that I feel good about it, you owe me nothing. Why? He satisfies. Steve, I, I hear what you're saying, 
And it has me thinking, okay, if if I've forgiven the person, but I still feel some of the hurt from what they did, like, does that mean I haven't truly forgiven them? Great question. It's possible that we haven't, but it's also possible that we have, and there's just a healing of heart process going on. So am I supposed to just let that person back in my life like nothing happened? Great question. Forgiveness is a separate issue. Remember we talked about that earlier. It's between you and the Lord. It's not something that has to involve the other person as far as telling them you have forgiven them, unless they ask. And then you can say, I already have. But you don't have to announce it to them. You know, sometimes people in their conscientious, obedient, wanting to please God in every way, which is good. (laughs) They feel like, well, I've forgiven that person. Now I need to tell them. If you want to, you can. But there's no biblical mandate to do so. This is between you and the Lord. Because when you forgive, whose heart gets set free? Yours. You know, Pastor Steve, there's times that I don't feel very forgiving, you know, for this this individual or people that I might have unforgiveness for. Should I wait until I feel like forgiving? Do you want to address that, honey? Because I know that based on what you were talking about uh, earlier, you didn't feel like forgiving that particular person but you did again and again but it wasn't based on feeling well again I like your question because I think it's so real but um, we forgive because he first forgave us and he asks us to forgive it's not a suggestion it's not an option it's a command and um, so we don't want our feelings to drive what we do with Jesus and the Bible. We want obedience to lead the way, to respond to his word. So um, chances are you may not ever feel like forgiving a certain offense that might be too horrible. So forgiveness sets you free. It doesn't set the other person free. It doesn't set the offender free. They still have to deal with God. But you need to be set free because God wants to release and do all that he wants to do to make you into the man he has for you. So I wouldn't go on my feelings. I'd go on the truth of his word. Well, as we bring this part in for a landing, how does this apply to you? How is it speaking to you? Is it helping you based on what you brought up? Yes. Um, I can see how... The relationship that I'm in that I see, you know, has offended me that I can be free in that relationship. My heart can be free, even if that other person doesn't deal directly with me or, you know, we don't have reconciliation, that my heart before the Lord can be free and clear. And that's really exciting to me. Yes, I love that. Forgiveness is characterized by They owe me nothing. They owe me nothing past. They owe me nothing present. They owe me nothing future for my sake, for my satisfaction, to make me satisfied, whole, or complete. 
I've made an exchange. Jesus is the one that satisfies. And now we come to part six in the process. It's entitled Release, but the big idea is simply this. Let God handle it. So let's just start with some questions this time. I want to make sure as we, especially since this is the sixth and final part, I want to make sure we connect as much as possible and eliminate any confusion and that there's clarity as we move on today. So any questions? I have one. Um, when I'm thinking about, you know, the relationship that I first spoke of um, today, are you just saying though, that then I should just forgive and just forget? So forgive and forget and it's just all done. Is that what you're telling me that I need to do now? Well, often you'll hear that forgive and forget, but actually and technically there's not a requirement to forget. When we forgive, they owe us nothing. They owe, in this case, the other person owes you nothing. You may always have the ability to remember, but upon remembering, it has no power over you. It has no negative. It's kind of like, it's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Any other questions? Well, I have a question. You said we're supposed to release them to the Lord, and then we're supposed to bless them. So does that mean I have to pray for prosperity and good health and happiness for them? Is that what that means? What would you say, Ed? Well, um, I think uh, as far as blessing them is, blessing them would be what God wants for them. That's the biggest blessing you could pray. And so um, when you, after you've released them to the Lord, I think that um, what God would want you to pray is the things that that person needs that's obvious to you. Not, not to benefit you in any way, but because you see what they need. And maybe they need uh, to know Christ personally. Maybe they need to forgive people. You, you know, whatever the situation is. And there's something about empowering you and uh, another thing that's done in the spirit when you go in the opposite spirit and pray for what God would want for that person because he he wants everybody to know him. And um, you have become more intimate with the Lord through this process. Mm -hmm. And may that person that you forgave become more intimate with the Lord. Mindy, the person hurt me pretty badly. Mm -hmm. How do I pray for them? I don't know what to pray for them. Well, um, again, I think that you would just... Um, it's it after you've forgiven them um, don't take this wrong but it's it's not about what they've done to you it's about what their needs are and their needs are I mean if somebody is um, has done something to you that has been very hurtful or offensive or vile who knows um, you see what they need uh, according to God's word and that's what I would pray for them and again, it's going in the opposite spirit. And it's not about you anymore in this situation. It's about praying uh, God's will for them. Any other questions? <clears throat> Let's just take a quick look at the scriptures. Psalm 55, 22 and 23. The, basically, the theme there is cast your cares on the Lord. Because this, this part of the process is, yes, the big idea, let God handle it. Release the offense, the hurt, the loss to the Lord. Now, 
going back to an earlier question about how we process a loss when there's nobody to forgive, we process through the first four parts, through and including, pouring our hearts out, giving thanks. There's no one to forgive, perhaps, that we're thinking of or convicted of. But then we still finish with release. A release of the hurt, release of the person, a release of the loss. It's a letting go. Cast all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. I love that. Romans 12, 16 through 21, the theme there is, or at least one of the themes is, don't return evil for evil. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace. And then I love Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I know that's my prayer as I've gone through different tests, and we all go through heart tests. And the Lord makes it clear again and again, Steve, this is a test. Pass the test. How? Processing the issues of my heart. Leading to giving thanks, forgiving, and releasing. Clean hands, pure heart. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. It's about the heart. It's so easy to think, well, how about them? Well, how about the situation? Doesn't, does God want me to live this way for the next 20 years? Somebody needs to do something. What do I do? Fair, fair questions, understandable. We'll never begin to touch those questions. We'll never begin to have God's wisdom. We'll never begin to be a part of the solution as far as our part, unless we start with our hearts. Notice what it says in Luke 23, 34, Jesus hanging from the cross. Remember, the context of this, hanging from the cross, they'd been gambling for his clothes. They'd been mocking and reviling him down below in his response. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That attitude of uh, having a heart that sees, sees the problem, sees the need, sees why he came to be a part of the solution. Matthew 5, 43 through 45, paraphrase, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's going in the opposite spirit. It's doing the opposite. <clears throat> Why? Because of him. And as we open our hearts to him, as we enter into this life of giving thanks and forgiving, nobody owes us anything, it's not being apathetic. It's not being passive because we're making a, a proactive exchange. We're exchanging what we want from them, what we think we need from them, and maybe even what he wants from them to us, according to his word, we're still making him more important. We're loving him more than we're loving what we want. And as we enter into this lifestyle and then praying for those who've wronged us, betrayed us, praying blessing, have your way with them, Lord. What do we do? We open our hearts to have his heart for them. <laughs> Amazing. His heart for them. 
It's been so special being together. We love you. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for allowing us to share as we go forth and live on planet Earth in this spiritual war zone when we'll be affected again. I pray we'll win the war for our hearts by processing the issues of our hearts and living to give and loving to love and living a lifestyle of forgiveness. Bless you. We love you. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency.